Hey educators, what's the scoop? Are you ready to be inspired by great things happening in rural Arizona classrooms? The Rural Scoop will bring you new ideas, an innovative curriculum. We'll dive into current school issues and we'll highlight what's working in your rural communities. You will hear from a variety of teachers, administrators, and educational professionals who will provide relevant and engaging content each episode. And now, serving up the Rural Scoop, here's your host, Dr. Melissa Sador. Thank you, Rural Scoop listeners, for tuning in with us today. I have Regina Hitchcock with us, a biology teacher and the creator of a fun new program that I'm excited to talk to you about that is happening at a high school in the St. John's Unified School District. Regina, are you ready to give us the scoop? I am. Great. First, before we get going on what's happening in your school, can you give our listeners a bit of information about you and your background? Sure. So I have been teaching. This is my eighth year teaching. Um, I started out in Round Valley Middle School in the 2011-2012 school year, I believe, um, teaching eighth grade science and running the gifted program over there. Um, within a year, I was also teaching an after-school nutritional science program. The following year, we designed between myself and uh, a couple of the other science teachers that we had at Round Valley Middle School, we designed several STEM curriculums um, and Im implemented those into specific um, application-based STEM classes. I had a uh, STEM agriculture program that was kind of based off of the national agriculture in the classroom um, literacy curriculum. Uh, I was I stayed in that eighth grade science position for three years, and then I switched over to eighth grade math and algebra. And within that program or within that grade level, I had um, two years of experience there also continuing with all of the STEM curriculum. Um, we did a lot of station work, kind of rotational work, putting kinesthetic movement into, you know, algebra and pre-algebra. And then three years ago, I there's a position opened up over here in St. John's, which is where I live the whole time. So it's about a half an hour drive. Um, but uh, I went ahead and switched over to St. John's High School as a biology teacher. And so I have been here for the last three years teaching biology, uh, human anatomy, agriculture, and girls' weights. And I also coach um, boys and girls track at the high school level as well. We just heard about you. But tell us a little bit about your school and your district. Okay, so um, St. John's Schools, um, there is only one high school, um, one alternative school, a middle school, and an elementary school. Um, we serve a very rural part of Arizona. Our, our high school has about 300 kids. I think at last count it was like 283 or something like that. But we take kids also from Concho, from Sanders, from Hunt, um, which wells. Our district really encompasses a lot of mileage, um, even though we only do have about 300 kids right here in our high school. There's about close to 600 kids between the other two schools and the alternative school as well. Introduce us to your program. Give us the two-minute elevator speech. I have been an escape room nerd for 
almost two, mm, almost two decades. So um, I really wanted to bring the escape room kind of thing into my classroom where kids are able to literally unlock locks, um, solve puzzles, um, just kind of do a lot more problem solving, literally with questions and information from the, directly from the curriculum. Um, basically what I do is I take the information that I've taught in the classroom, um, break it down into simple questions or kind of problem-based uh, experiences, match those questions up with codes, match those questions up with locks from like lockers or keys or combinations, those types of things. Um, and then as kids are in groups, they solve these questions. They answer questions exactly like they would do on a test. But the answer to the question doesn't give them a grade. It gives them part of a combination to a lock or it gives them like a keyword to help them find the lock or the key to like a lockbox or something. So there's a lot of different styles that we have done, but, but the essential part of it is, is that kids are using the stuff that they've learned in class. And I usually do these escape rooms as, as kind of a test review, um, a benchmark review, just to kind of prepare to take a test or to prepare to um, review material, that sort of thing. So it's kind of a refresher, but they take the answers and instead of just getting like a grade for those answers, they take those sections of answers and those sections of these questions and they're able to use those answers to unlock locks and solve puzzles and do different challenges and things like that. It is up against the clock, but every group has the same chance to basically escape and so they don't really, they're not in competition with another group. They're just in competition against the clock. So if all of them end up unlocking all the locks, then all of them get the prize, which the prize is usually something lame, but it's what the kids came up with. So things like um, homework passes or like five point or like five minutes of free time or get out of class 30 seconds early just things like that that don't, aren't going to cost me anything, but the kids value more than, say, a piece of candy. And so they're reviewing the same information that I taught in class right before um, kind of a high-stakes test, a benchmark test, a you know, midterm, a final, that kind of thing. To follow up, when you're talking about your students working in groups, are they all in the same escape room at the same time? <laughs> Okay, so this is how it works. That was my biggest challenge, and we'll talk about this a little bit later too, but the biggest challenge was to be able to get 30 kids, because most of my classes are about 30 kids, all engaged at the same time. So when you go to a physical escape room, say, you know, in Durango, or, you know, there's just lots of different places. There's a couple in Flagstaff and a few in the Valley and things like that. You have a group, usually somewhere between two people and eight people. Well, in a classroom of 30 kids, you can't have 22 kids just sitting around while eight do something that's active. And you definitely can't throw a worksheet down in front of them. So what I actually have done is I have designed using the same materials, kind of in different orders and maybe in different wordage and things like that, but de design five to six different escapes. So my materials consist of like a locking box which could be a briefcase, it could be a safe, it could be, you know, a desk with just locks on it, you know. 
Um, but there's five or six of them. And so there's basically five or six escape rooms going on within these four walls all at one time. So the groups stay between five and six kids per group. And they're each, each group is individually working on their own escape. And so because it's, it's a competition and it's kind of for bragging rights, they definitely don't try to help each other, which is kind of every teacher's worst nightmare, you know, like cheating, whatever. But these kids actually do it within their group. They stick very close together. They collaborate very tightly together. Um, but everybody's involved because there's five or six different groups going on at the same time. How and why did you start this program? Talk us through that. One of the first things when we got dial-up internet, when I was a very young mother, one of the first things that I started doing was like these escape the phone booth challenge, like escape the garage, just online. So I really got kind of addicted to this idea of um, you solve one challenge and that takes you to the next challenge. And then you solve that challenge and, and each time it gets a little bit harder. And so a couple of years ago, um, my daughter and I started going to physical escape rooms and working through them ourselves because the idea of doing something just to do it, we all know kids don't like. They don't understand it. They don't care about it. They don't have any buy-in. They don't have any value to that. But video games, kids love. And so I wanted to take their love for kind of that quest mentality and my love for really escaping an area and then tie it back in with all of the school information um, that they need to know so that as we're learning it, they understand that they have buy-in because they want to know these things. And so they are able to solve these challenges. They are able to go through and do physical things, whether it's looking underneath a desk to find a hidden message or literally taking a key and putting it in a lock. Um, and, and it really engages those kids that they just, they don't really learn the same way. So this is really super engaging for those kids that learn kinesthetic. Um, and it reinforces things that the kids, that the other kids have learned um, you know, verbally or just, you know, through listening, through watching a video or whatever, but it gives those kids one last chance before one of these high stakes tests that they also can still learn the material in a way that is a lot more engaging. And so putting all of those things together, the last um, several years, this is only my third, this is only my second year of actually doing the physical escapes in the classroom. Um, but there was a lot of information that was online that kind of helped drive the idea and everything. And so I finally got everything put together. Uh, works really, really well. The kids are super, super engaged. You don't get those kids with their heads down on the desk taking a nap when we do these things. And that was one of my main goals is just to make sure that every single kid was engaged, even if it's once a quarter. As you think back to the initial implementation of your programming, what challenges did you face and how did you overcome those challenges? The biggest challenge is one that I already mentioned, um, trying to come up with something that 30 kids can do all at the same time. And we know as teachers that if I'm one-on-one -on -one engaged with a student, there's 29 other kids not doing anything. 
they're playing on their phones, they're taking a nap, they're teasing each other, they're just, you know, doing other things. And so the biggest thing when I was trying to design this was to make sure that I had a way to engage all of the kids. And so then that's why I have the different groups. And so what I did to kind of overcome that particular problem was I use a lot of the same questions. So I literally am almost like writing a test and then turning that test into a game. And so if I have six or seven questions for like one science standard or whatever, I'll give each group three or I'll give each group four, however many, you know, really fits. And so there's a good mix of all of them. So they're super engaged. Um, one of the other um, challenges that I kind of had a problem with, and I, I experienced this really bad the first couple of times that I did these escape rooms, was my time management. So when I work through, I always have to work through an escape room. I have to build them from scratch every single time so that I can visualize how the kids are going to work through it. So the first problem that I had was if I can figure it out in 20 minutes, I figured the kids could probably do it in 40. It's really more like 65 to 70, but I only have 50 minute classes. So I had to pare down a lot of things. I had to make some of the challenges. Um, I don't want to say less challenging, but maybe instead of five questions or four questions, maybe I put three together and made the clue that went with them a little bit longer so that like, the pieces were easier to put together kind of thing. Um, there was just, there was a lot of things. Um, making sure that I had enough time to set up a room is really, really important. The first time that I set it up, it took 45 minutes to set up. Well, if you have a back-to-back -back classes, you don't have 45 minutes in between to reset things and put locks back on and, you know, hide things back in the places where they belong. So making sure that I had something that's reasonable for setup time was really, really important. Um, also, one of the, one of the issues that I kind of had a problem with is making sure that everything was relevant. So my kids understand I have some of the same issues they do. I have ADHD. So sometimes that's a bit of a challenge, staying focused for them and then also kind of forcing those kids with the same issue to stay focused. And so as I was planning these escape rooms, I was throwing things in that was irrelevant because it made sense to me. But then when I saw them trying to go through the questions and the challenges and the, the notes that I would write and the clues and things that I would give them, there was just a lot of information that wasn't absolutely necessary. And so I had to pare a lot of that stuff down so that it's very um, much more basic. Like I think with older kids, it, I might be able to kind of, do a little bit more of that um, kind of spreading things around a little bit and kind of making them weed out some stuff on their own um, because that is one of the science standards is understanding what's relevant and what's not. But our in our high school, biology students are all freshmen. And so a lot of these kids, they don't have, they haven't really developed completely their problem solving skills yet. And so one of the things that um, I, did to kind of overcome the problem that they were having understanding what was relevant is I just took everything out that wasn't super relevant and super important. So even though it made it, you know, less kind of me personally, 
um, it definitely made it easier for them. Like this past escape room that we had, about half of the half of the groups all day were able to solve the challenges in the 45 minute time frame that they had. So that's kind of what I want. Like it needs to be challenging enough. They work hard and they stay engaged, but it needs to be simple enough that they're seeing, even if it's not their group, they're seeing other people being able to persevere and solve these problems. Along those same lines, Regina, can you, you mentioned the last escape room that you had just completed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you give us an example of the kinds of curriculum standards that you're addressing in your escape room and the kinds of, of problems that the students are having to solve together? So literally when I, when I create an escape room, I do my walkthrough first, just like that you would get onto YouTube and watch somebody else solve a game or solve a level or whatever. I create a walkthrough that says, okay, this envelope leads to these questions. These questions lead to this key. Once they find this key, they unlock the lock and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So then I go through and I find my questions. Now in the past, what I have done is our school is part of the Beyond Textbooks. We're one of the Beyond Textbooks partners. And so in the past, up until this year, we had access to and through Galileo. Um, So ATI, which is the the people that have created the Galileo um, test format, they had um, benchmarks and formative assessments and summative assessments, all these different things where they had all of a bunch of questions grouped by standard. So literally what I end up doing is I end up having um, questions from either old tests or sample questions, literally just questions like, and I have like a picture of like a um, food pyramid And if the vegetation in this area, in this ecosystem was to be damaged by drought or damaged by fire, what would happen to the organisms that are above it in this picture? And so it would have like mice and then it would have snakes and then it would have like birds and stuff. And so the kids literally are answering a question that they would see on the test, which is directly linked to these science standards. And then that question, the correct answer will have like a number that goes to one of the combination locks, or it will have like like a code phrase or a code picture, something that when they have answered all of the three questions that go together for that particular standard, they now have the three digit combination for a lock, or they now have like a small sentence that says where to find Um, their locking box or where to find a key to a lock and so I use the Arizona standards as the actual questions and some of them are just straight up questions like how which one of these answers is correct and some of them are literally problems where they'll have to go around the room and identify a cell part and then there will be a color-coded message on the on the back of like a laminated cell part and it tells them what to do next so they, they do have to have the complete knowledge um, of the standards themselves, of the curriculum that goes with the standards, the things that I have taught them to be able to move on and unlock locks and get to the next level. So they have as much time as they need in that 45 minutes for each individual question, but they're set up so that if, if they don't get beyond that question because they keep guessing incorrect answers, then they just kind of get stuck there. So it really forces them to go back 
into their notes. They have access to the textbooks. They have access to um, each other. So they use the curriculum or they use the curriculum standards themselves um, for answering the questions that they're that they have, you know, on the on the different papers. Along those same lines, if another school or district were looking to replicate your program, why might they fail? Give us some best practices advice. Number one, why you're doing any program is the driving force. Like, what are you wanting to get out of it? So if they're wanting to improve test scores and that doesn't happen, that would be, a, that would be considered a fail if your only goal was test scores. But mine is engagement. My big goal is engagement. And if I can look around, if I can stand up here at the front of my room or I can have, you know, somebody from the district office or somebody from the administration come in and they can see students engaged, there is no way to fail. Okay. Um, however, there are some serious problems that, that each individual teacher does have to work through. And those include the things that I've kind of already talked about making sure that you have enough materials to occupy the time, making sure you don't have too much materials that it, you know, that it would be impossible for somebody, for the kids to solve. Um, making sure that kids are able to get up and move around because my goal is engagement, then I have to have that aspect to it. Um, not having enough time, having too big of a classroom, like this is probably not something you would want to do in a gym. And it's probably not something that you would want to do in like a janitorial closet. Like you really need enough time that the groups can kind of have or enough space that the groups can kind of have their own little space where they're not going to overhear each other. Um, because there's nothing so disappointing as a teacher to plan something and do something and then have the kids solve things far too easily because they're helping each other like they don't they need to have that buy-in so making it be a big thing and making the kids really understand that it, it's as much an individual goal as it is like a group collaboration goal um if they don't really understand that that can really um kind of undermine the process and so that might be considered a fail um but i really think that the only failure is if if the kids don't get something out of it because this is something that that takes a lot of planning. It's not really something that you can pull up on your computer, you know, five minutes before your first hour class and be like, oh, let's do this today. This is something that requires a lot of planning. It requires some paperwork. It requires um, some really thoughtfulness and not being thoughtful enough just makes it kind of a bust and, and then it's not fun for the kids. But that's kind of the, the key is making sure that it's engaging for the kids. If you're engaging, you're not, you can't really fail. To date, what are the successes of the program? What's your most inspiring success story? We've all had those kids that um, they're challenging to say the least. So it's that kid that comes to class every single day unprepared. You have to tell him or, or he goes to the bathroom every single class period or he doesn't have a pencil and it doesn't tell you until 20 minutes into the lesson and now he hasn't written anything down. So there's always those kids that are going to sleep or they're going to have their phone out or they're going to be sneaking stuff or they're just going to be kind of this crazy kid and always that kid that just has like the 7% in your class because he doesn't do anything. So 
I have a few of those kids. In fact, I have several in every class. But my first escape room this school year, um, I had that kid. And when I divided all the kids up from the day before, uh, he was pretty excited about his group. And we came in and um, they sat down and he said, well, I don't know what we're doing. And I said, well, we're, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to explain it to you a little bit. Um, and then we're going we're gonna to go ahead and let you guys go. And you'll have 45 minutes to solve these problems and do this thing. Well, lo and behold, I look around 10 minutes into this and he is on his feet and he's leaning over everybody and he's asking questions and they're sending him across the room to look for something. And then he's digging through everybody's notes because he didn't have his own because he's never taken any notes, but he's really trying to find correct answers. He really has complete buy-in. And to me, that's probably the highlight so far of my of this whole school year is watching this kid who I thought had absolutely no interest whatsoever in being in this classroom, learning anything, doing anything. I, up until this day, I thought he was completely apathetic about everything. And then all of a sudden, he's smiling, he's laughing, he's talking to others, he's working with others, he's trying really, really hard. And ever since that day, he asks about every week or so, are we going to do another escape room? When's going to be the next escape room? You know what I think we should do for the next escape room? Like he's totally bought in, completely bought in. And I can even use that with him sometimes. Hey, you know, this might be in the next escape room. And all of a sudden he's looking around for a pencil and he wants to borrow a piece of paper and he's, a, he's awake and he wants to take pictures of the notes on the board and all these different things. So, you know, I, I see this kid now interacting with things and, and working in a group and being excited about learning and that's a, that's a complete success. What supports or resources are available for others to tap into if they wanted to start this kind of programming? Um, so there's a lot of online resources. Now, I'm one of those teachers that you really have to, I, I believe you really have to um, teach and focus on your own strengths. If you're not into puzzles and you're not into escape rooms, it's not going to be as much fun and it's just going to be much more of a headache than it's worth. Um, and maybe online resources would be all that you would want. So there's a breakout edu. It's literally breakout.edu um, that has a lot of um, kind of, I call them practice puzzles, but for some kids, it, it, they're half hour puzzles. There's like five like digital locks that they, um, you know, look at pictures and solve problems and stuff. So there's a lot of logic involved, um, not curriculum wise. There's not like, I mean, they have things that are, you know, biology based or algebra based or whatever, but they don't necessarily align with Arizona standards. And so to get your kind of feet wet, breakout EDU is, is a really great place to start. Um, and a lot of their digital resources are completely free. And they're, they're kind of fun. The kids get a kick out of them because it, it does kind of give them that video game sort of feel where they're solving like a quest. And then if they, you know, then they move on to the next one and stuff. Um, the Escape Classroom is another one. I get emails from them so often. That is a purchase type program where they have like themed um, escapes. And so there's like several puzzles and things. Again, not aligned with curriculum. Um, let's face it, Arizona kind of has a unique situation in that 
no other state and no book has ever been written that really matches Arizona curriculum standards, um, especially, well, at least not for science. Um, next generation science standards don't really align either. And so all of the things that are available commercially, you can take bits and pieces of, but to really make, make an escape room that is going to be curriculum based and curriculum aligned, standards aligned, you really have to do it yourself. Um, but things like test questions, things like AIM science practice tests, those are great resources. Um, ACT practice um, questions, those are really great resources to get the information because an, an escape room in a classroom is not just about playing around and unlocking locks. It's really about the material. It's really about the, the curriculum standards and making sure that the kids are doing something um, that's occupying their time well. We don't have a ton of time. And so making sure that we're doing that um, and making sure that all of that material is is kind of aligned to what our goals are. That's super, super important. Um, but there's study guides online. There's practice um, tests. There's um, state tests, released questions, those types of things um, that really help to make an escape challenge um, much more relevant and kind of a good use of time. So there's tons of stuff online. And then I'm also available for you know, any kind of question and I can pass on information that I have. So. Well, if anybody does want more information, how can they get in touch with you? Okay. So the very best way is email. Uh, my email is rhitchcock at sjusd.net. Um, I also, anyone who emails me, I can send them a link to my teaching website and some of the fun resources and, and questions that I have used for science. I'm working with one of our algebra teachers right now to kind of do something similar in her class with some algebra resources and things like that. So um, anyone who has been using Beyond Textbooks has a really big leg up, especially for math and language arts, because Beyond Textbooks has provided um, formative assessments and summative assessments and things like that that can be helpful too. So anyone who wants to just email me is that's the very best way to get a hold of me and I can send out anything that that I think might help. Well, Regina, thank you for being involved with the podcast today. I want to let all the Rural Scoop listeners know that Regina's contact information will be available in the show notes. So you can check that out at the Arizona Rural School Association website at azruralschools.org and get more detailed information on how to get in touch with Regina. Thanks again, Regina, for talking with us today. We appreciate your time. All right. Thank you. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.